Welcome to Market Corner Conversations, sponsored by Foresight Health. This is where outcomes matter, customers count, and value rules. Market Corner Conversations is Foresight Health's regular podcast series. It explores the intricacies of market-driven health reform. We dig deep into the U.S. system's structural inefficiencies. We explain how its artificial economics and distorted business models rob the American people of the great health care they deserve. We identify and talk with innovative companies that are reinventing healthcare delivery by being better, faster, cheaper, and more customer-friendly. We have a terrific program today. Debbie Grisco, the president and executive director of Almost Home Kids, joins us. I looked up the word advocate in the dictionary the other day, and there was Debbie's picture. You will not find a more passionate and effective advocate for children in the country, in the world. So, Debbie, welcome to Market Corner Conversations. Well, Dave, thank you. And I don't think I've ever had such a wonderful, heartwarming, uh, enthusiastic uh, welcome before. So I appreciate it. Thank you for your very kind words. Well, by the end of this show, everybody <sighs> will be saying the, exactly the same thing because you work miracles every day. Um, and since I've now given you this big buildup, could you just tell us a little bit about Almost Home Kids? Uh, sure, sure. So Almost Home Kids is a children's community-based health care center. That's our title. But basically what we do is we transition children who have significant medical complexities from ICU units who are medically stable um, on their way home. They come to us for up to 120 days where they're with their new home equipment and supplies that they'll go home with where parents have the uh, time to actually learn the care, um, the education, side-by-side with very skilled-trained nurses at Almost Home Kids. And then we're able to successfully work with all, get all their community supports in place and transition them home. And then our back's other wraparound service that we have is respite care. And we provide up to two weeks of respite per child per year. Um, And that is um, mostly funded through donations. And they actually can come back um, with all their home equipment, supplies, many Medications, things of that nature, and we, my staff cares for them to give the families a much-needed break. Why don't we learn a little bit about you and tell us how you got where you are today professionally? You know, where did you start and how did you end up at Almost Home Kids? So I think I had a pretty unusual path compared to most people. So by profession, I'm a, a registered nurse. I started my career in the coronary intensive care unit for adults, did time in medical intensive care and also surgical intensive care, then did some managerial work on a med surge floor, and then spent a good chunk of my career in the emergency room, which I absolutely loved. That was one of my favorite places in nursing. I've also done some home health nursing, some school nursing. As a mother of five children, and I have a, my middle son, Tom, is a young man with Down syndrome, I've juggled my career life around my family as my husband traveled internationally a lot for his work. So um, I've done a lot of different things, but most of all, I've also been a very big advocate for my son. When he was born 27 years ago, the system isn't as it is today. So um, I designed his early intervention program. I learned uh, the insurance business by doing all the billing for him. I had to advocate and fight to due process times in the public school and also go to the federal courts to make sure that he was fully included in school. So I've done a lot of that type of work and then continued to help other parents um, with those with issues with their children that they weren't able to obtain services. 
So then I also was uh, on a board of directors for a very large nonprofit, community-based for adults and children with uh, cognitive disabilities. And from there, I was leaving that board and asked to come on the board of Almost Home Kids. And after I got done interviewing for that, by the time I got home, they called and asked me if I would run the business, which <laughs> <laughs> I wasn't I wasn't looking for a job at the time. But, you know, I thought with the mission is so powerful and with my son, Tom, in understanding what it is to be a parent and to have nowhere to turn and need someone to forge ahead and help you, I really just thought I, I probably could do something and really help. So that's why I jumped in feet first and I loved it every minute. And boy, have you done something. You, you probably don't even remember this, but the first time I toured an almost home kids facility in the Ronald McDonald House near uh, Lurie Children's, I was going around and meeting each of the patients, and there was a one-year-old um, a baby, big, bright smile, lots of energy, a ventilator child uh, had, was wearing a, or using a ventilator. And he had on his head a kind of a leather football helmet, one of the looked like one of the old-fashioned leather football helmets. And I asked the nurse who was tending for this, this young boy, you know, why the football helmet? And she said, from a low-income family, uh, People at the uh, neonatal intensive care unit were very busy, and unfortunately, he lay mostly on his back for the better part of six months, and it deformed his head. And to me, the the, the head deformity was the least of it. It's the lack of human contact. And the care for that type of neonatal visit with a ventilator child can be as much as $15,000 a day. And I, I just was overwhelmed that we as a society pay that much for really inferior care, and then here at Almost Home Kids in a, you know, bright, loving, energetic environment, all kinds of stimulation is a fraction of that cost. Uh, could you just comment a little bit, uh, Debbie, on these kids who are among the most vulnerable in society and uh, the disconnection between how we treat for them in the main and how we could treat for them in, in facilities like Almost Home Kids. You know, I, I would hesitate to guess that that cost is probably more 3000 to 4000 a day in the NICU unit. But I think the things that makes uh, the care at Almost Home Kids special is that we keep each of our sites to 12 children to have a more home-like environment. The children are up and dressed every day in their regular street clothes, and they have regular schedule time and play time and nap time like you do at home. There's not a bunch of machines always going off and, you know, residents coming in the door and that. So we try to keep that. And there's a lot of human contact from volunteers, from the staff of holding the children and caring for them. So I think that that really makes such a difference for these children's development. So I think that's really the big difference. And also at Almost Home Kids, you know, the children are coming with also their other medications from um, the outpatient pharmacy. And for a parent who now has a child that's on 20 or 25 different medications a day, that's just daunting for them. So you really need to provide the environment where they can actually feel empowered to be confident in caring for their child. Yes. And could you just touch on the relative cost per day? The cost per day at Almost Home Kids runs around 900 uh, 950, wow. depending on the child per day. And that includes all services, Dave. So that's the physician, the APRN nurse, the direct care. Um, all the nurses are RNs and PAL certified and BEN certified nurses. 
the nurse's aides, child life specialists. They also include them getting physical therapy, speech therapy now. So uh, again, it's it's a per diem per day service that we provide. Also on site in our Chicago site, we can also do sleep studies, which eliminates these children from having sleep studies done in an ICU, which is very costly to insurers and also to the Medicaid system. Boy, talk about great value. You know, our, our the motto for our company is outcome matters, customers count, and value rules. And I, I almost can't think of another example in, in healthcare better than almost home kids for driving home the point that we can improve quality by lowering cost and focusing really on what's absolutely in the best interests of the patients. So good for you. Good for you. Good for the team. Good for everybody. But how many kids are we talking about, Debbie, you know, out of, out of the population? And so across the country, there's 3 million children that would be considered to have uh, medical complexities. What's very interesting is also they, there's data that this population is growing by 5% a year. It's the most costly population that we have, and also that we should be caring for them at the right place at the right time at the right cost, too. And there's really a lack of strategy from the government's perspective, also, too, and the insurers, too, about, you know, looking at this, I call them the tier one population, as they increase by 5% a year. In Illinois, um, we're between probably 12,000 to 14,000 children in the state. And at least here in Illinois, we have three facilities of almost home kids, but in other states, they don't. So to me, it's a very big value with, again, we very much track our outcomes. So uh, one in particular I'll, I'll mention here, Dave, is that our readmission rate 30 days after leaving almost home kids has been less than 2% for the last eight years. And many years, it's been 0%. That that goes to the amount of education and training of the parents. That also goes to my social work team and case management team to make sure that all those community supports are set up and they're appropriate and that everyone on the team knows what each other is doing and that we're all there to support the, the parents. And, and how would that compare, that 2% rate, how would that compare to a, a, you know, a, a city or, or a state that doesn't have almost home-like uh, kids' facilities? So I can't speak for every hospital, but for acute care, I would say it would be more in the 20% area. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. And again, you know, I'd say I want to make sure I don't want to make this to be a competition. It's because they're acute care and that's what they do, acute care. What we do is transitional care in a different setting. So I, I think they're two distinctly different programs. And I think sometimes what I'm seeing is hospitals sometimes thinking that they can do this within the four walls of their hospital. They're just not set up that way to do it. And oh, no one's going to be doing this for 120 days either, too. So I think, you know, it's a uniqueness for what we do. And as we've collected this data over the last 10 years, um, you know, we actually can show the benefit and the cost effectiveness of the program and quality, too. We're very big on that also, too. Oh, no, you, you definitely are. And, you know, you're the parent uh, of a, a child with complex medical conditions and have lived it from the parental side. Uh, it must be a combination of joy, relief, um, almost surprise that there are places like Almost Home Kids after slogging through a medical system that in many ways is unresponsive to the needs of, of kids, much less their families and, and parents and other caregivers. 
Right. Well, I will say this, being a mom of a, a young man who's now 27, who has Down syndrome, he's taught me every lesson in my life. So when you said to me earlier, how am I here today doing what I do? I learned all of it from him. Mm-hmm. So what's important in life and, and also the importance of the family unit and how you need people there to support them. I was very fortunate to be, come from a very large family that was very supportive with six brothers and sisters and my parents and, you know, extended family that always were there to support us. And and so I see that importance of respite care in particular. If you don't give people a break, then family units break down. So I've learned that firsthand that you have to take that break. Even if it's, you know, for five days, you've got to take some time to regenerate. You come back as a better parent, you, and you're just a, you know, it, it, you need that. So um, I'm a big, big proponent and advocate of respite care, which we do. We never turn anybody away for that. We raise, that's what we raise the money for, to care for those families. I think in, if I could just add this, in healthcare today, we spend an enormous amount of money on acute care. Everything I think is there about you know the best care for the child, but where I think we fall down hugely is that continuum of care, that wraparound service of transitional and respite care. So once they leave the four walls and the front doors of that hospital, it's like all that goes away. So we need more system, a system like Almost Home Kids in specifically the communities where these children live. So we don't want them traveling two hours, hence we opened up our new site down in Peoria because we had a large volume of children coming up from the middle of the state of Illinois. And that was the reason. It's too much of a burden on families traveling two, three, and four hours to see their children. Yeah. You know, I'm, I, I'm talking about the parents and and. The need for respite. I, I'm almost reminded of the uh, the announcement we get on airplanes, where the oxygen mask comes down and says, "You know, put it on yourself before you put it on the kids, uh, so you can have all your facilities about you to to help in the best way." Well, Deb, maybe this is a good uh, opportunity to transition to uh, Lurie Children's Hospital and Almost Home Kids' relationship with Lurie. Could you talk a little bit about how that came together and and works uh, for the betterment, really, of both institutions? Sure. So just a little history. Um, The original Almost Home Kids is in Naperville, Illinois. We, uh, I came in 2007, 2012, we opened up our Chicago site. We actually leased the sixth floor of the Ronald McDonald building, a brand new building at 211 East Grand, a few blocks down from Leary Children's. In 2013, Pat Magoon, the CEO of uh, Leary Children's Hospital, came to me with his leadership team to talk about having a more um, cohesive relationship. So we entered into a master affiliation agreement with them. And so now we've become a subsidiary of that medical center. And, And with that, you know, we have been able to, you know, our missions are so aligned. We've been able to serve more children and provide more services by being part of the Lurie children uh, family. And then with that, we were able to realize our dream of our vision of taking this a service to other communities. Hence, in September, we opened up our third site in Peoria with the OSF Children's Hospital of Illinois. So it's been a great thing, I think, on both sides. Larry Children benefits from the wraparound service of almost home kids. So children are 
are with us where it's appropriate and when they acute care, they're with them. So, and on our side, we've been able to bring our, our mission to other communities. And as I meet with other leadership in other children's hospitals around the country, it's the same story, Dave, I'm hearing constantly across the country. It, right. It's like a script. Everybody's saying the same thing. So there is a bit of excitement about what we do, and our goal is to bring it um, across state lines. That's that's so wonderful. And Debbie is a um, is a constant presence in Springfield, Illinois State Capitol, fighting for payment for for kids. And a lot of the kids in almost home kids, as in in many children's hospitals, uh, are, are Medicaid patients. But could you tell us, on average, uh, Debbie, how much you save the state and other payers at each facility? Sure. Sure. So each facility of ours saves the state $10 million in Medicaid savings per year. So this year we're on slated to save them $30 million. For every day a child's with us, the only other place for them to go would be in an ICU unit back at a hospital. Um, you cannot send a child home where there's the parents aren't are trained. There may be no ramp in the home. There may be not a handicap accessible bathroom. There may be no nursing in that community or, or or appropriate nursing to give the parents so they can sleep at night. Things of that nature. So that's the savings to the state of Illinois. Well, it, it, I hope this this question doesn't make you uncomfortable. But I've I've coined the term incumbent um, to describe a lot of behavior in healthcare. You know, combination of dumb and incumbent. And you kind of look at this and say, "Wow, much better care, much better treatment of the family that that needs to provide much of the twenty four seven care for the for the kids with the complex medical conditions, saves the state tons of money." So why aren't we doing it everywhere? You know, again, when I've met with people, if I ask for a five-year strategy and what they want to do with this, I'm happy to be at the table to help with that. It, it For some reason, I just believe our children don't really have a voice and our parents don't. And I think there's a couple of reasons for that, Dave. Our parents are the unsung heroes who they're just trying to get through every day. Right. You know, they're hoping they get five hours sleep tonight, and they have jobs they're trying to keep also too, and they have other children and other responsibilities uh, for that. So, you know, I, I think, you know, they also, as you know, our children don't vote, and I hate to be crass about that, Dave, but that's the truth. So I think there's some reasons for that, but I think somebody somewhere just needs to wake up and realize this population is growing at 5% a year, and we need to be out in front of it, and we need to have programs that are going to support these families. And again, I'm going to get on my soapbox for a second here, Dave, and say this. Every child in, in the country has a right to grow up in a home, whether it's their home, a foster home, or an adoptive home. But nobody should be sentenced to institutional care because they're medically complexed. And that's what we have, these big nursing homes for children across the country who have medical complexities, costing taxpayers, and again, people should not be housed by what their disability is. So I'm a big proponent of that. So we're all not working hard enough to make that happen. And I'm happy to say to Almost Home Kids, we frequently are training adoptive parents and foster care parents. And when people say no one will take on these children, I have news for you. There are some wonderful people out there that are happy to take them into their homes and care for them. So, Debbie, you've got a big vision, uh, obviously powered by just incredible compassion for everybody involved and, and I guess, suffering from these chronic complex medical uh, conditions. Why don't you talk to us a little bit about the work you're doing now 
to take the model nationwide. You're, you're, you're in discussions with some of the great uh, children's hospitals in the country and, and other organizations to take this model and, and really make it much more available to uh, children and families around the country. Correct. So we've um, assembled an expansion team. So I have um, several members of that that are working for me with Almost Home Kids. And we're actually showing them, these large children's hospitals, the cost savings, the quality of care, and that how you want to be able to transition these children home and how we could do it. So uh, you know me, Dave, I like to make things simple. I hate things being complicated. I think one thing that's an issue for us as we've looked and, and speaking with right now five other large children's hospitals across the country is legislation. There is no federal legislation to to license what we do. Illinois is very distinct in that it has legislation that governs what Almost Home Kids does. So that's a little bit of a drawback. Uh, so just trying to figure out how to uh, attempt to rectify that, it, but but not go state by state with legislation. Mm-hmm. Maybe you can help me with that. <laughs> well, you can. You know, I'm I'm willing to join the uh, join the uh, battalion to to go forward and conquer. And you know, and and when you when you go out to these organizations, you're not just bringing a concept, uh, Debbie. You're bringing a blueprint for how to operate a facility. Uh, a design for what a, a, an ideal facility would look like, ideas about ownership and financing and governance. Just talk to us about the holistic and nature of your of, of your plan for expansion and the totality of service offerings that you can provide should a partner want or need any or all of these services. Sure. So what we started a couple of years ago, Dave, was we actually put together with a large architect firm we put together what is a prototype building. So we worked with parents, with the medical team, along with our staff and the architects and designers about what's the ideal building for functionality, for safety, for that home-like feeling. So that was about a year's project. So along as we um, meet with other large children's hospitals, this is also an offering. We've also taken all of our clinical policy and procedures, and they're in what we call a playbook. And that's a web-based book that actually has everything that we do. Again, our policies and procedures, clinical, is a little different than what's in a hospital. It's a hybrid between hospital and home health care. So we've kind of over the years have been able to put together exactly what's the most effective policies and procedures for every area of what we do. We've also are looking right now we have a franchise model is what we have down in in Peoria. But also um, moving forward, what this business model looks like is if the Children's Hospital doesn't have the capital, we will bring in a third-party developer that actually will put up the building. The hospital will lease that building back. The facility will be run by an employee of Almost Home Kids who will relocate to wherever this is, and the staff then will be hired up and trained by our staff at Almost Home Kids. And we'll be on site and be part of uh, the Almost Home Kids organization for 10 years. Wow. So your, your approach... Uh, gives partners flexibility, but also really insists and delivers on consistent quality of care, consistent quality of outcomes, um, really operating at the highest performance levels. That the, yeah. Right. 
it, we've worked the last 10 years, 11 years, Dave, of really, you know, building this brand and this model and what we do. So again, even as we expand, even the marketing prospect of using our name, there's just quality metrics and outcomes that are have to be in place to, to be able to use the name Almost Home Kids. Yeah. Well, um, it's a name that's um, synonymous with, with value and care and really transformation. Uh, and maybe maybe Deb will uh, will will start to to wrap up here. But as you're you know the the audience here is largely um, people very interested in healthcare, many in healthcare administration, confronting real challenges in terms of um, redefining what they do to deliver the right care at the right time and the right place, and also at the right price. What messages would you or advice would you have for people on the front lines um, trying to redesign care uh, for the benefit of patients. What would you whisper in their ear? To the hospital people, I would say it's about a million dollars for every ICU bed you build. It's probably anywhere from three to five million a, a year in cost avoidance by having it almost home kids. And that's that's year after year after year by having the care in the right place like that. I don't think it's that hard to replicate this and for it to work. I think you just have to have the right people around the table. But again, this population continues to grow and they, the costs continue to soar. So I think having quality proven programs like Almost Home Kids across the country is really going to help keep families together, keep children in their home, and keep acute care where it belongs and not children that are being housed in, in hospitals because there is no safe place for them to go. Yeah, I, um, I'm, just, uh, I'm just so moved by what you do. And I can't remember exactly who it was. Uh, it might even have been Einstein who said that the greatest invention in human history was compound interest. Uh, but when you think about the compounding savings each year that, uh, that a facility like yours can generate, but even far above and beyond the money, the compound human benefit in terms of better quality of life, um, better human action or interactions, better enabling parents to uh, care for their child with complex medical problems, but also to lead their lives and care for their other kids as well. The compounding involved in that is orders of magnitude greater than the money. Right, um, exactly, exactly. Yeah, so uh, any last words and then then I'll, I'll wrap us up here. Sure. So I just want to say, Dave, I can't even begin to tell you how many parents have come back to us and said they could have never done it if they hadn't come through Almost Home Kids. And when they first may have been resistant to it, now realize that that's why they had a successful transition home and not, you know, continual bounce backs that you see with children that are, are difficult discharges, not for anyone's fault. It's just the way the situation is. I think also, too, you know, the Medicaid system in particular um, that we deal a lot with, you know, we have to raise money to save them money. So while they pay us less than $700 a day, my costs are, are around $950 a day. And not only that, but we're saving them another $10 million on top of it. So again, I think it's time for people to wake up and have a strategy and put this on the table as a priority. Right, right. Well, no good deed goes unpunished. There's a, a quote from a former senator from Minnesota and former vice president of the United States, Hubert Humphrey, who, uh, who said uh, at, at one point, uh, and Tip O'Neill had this on his desk when he was Speaker of the House, that the true moral test of government is how it treats those at the beginning of life, the children, 
the sunset of life, the elderly, and those at the margins of life. And I think about that uh, quote and that way of, um, you know, evaluating our our society. And I get hope from organizations like Almost Home Kids because uh, it really is an example of providing the best uh, care and service to those who are the most vulnerable uh, and in greatest need of help. So, uh, Debbie, to you, uh, to the organization, everybody at Almost Home Kids, uh, on behalf of our, 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 our audience and, and me in particular, thank you for what you do and thank you for coming on our show. And my guess is more than a few people will try to track you down after they, <laughs> uh, after they hear this broadcast. Thank you, Dave, and thanks for your support. And I appreciate the opportunity to talk about Almost Home Kids today and our children. Yeah, good for you. If you're frustrated with healthcare, if you want to understand how the system is reinventing itself, through relentless bottom-up market-driven reform, please subscribe to our podcast at foresighthealth.com. Be a rebel with a cause. Help us fix American healthcare. Until next time, this is Dave Johnson.